Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church Podcast for Sunday, December 10th, 2023. Today's sermon will be from Luke chapter 1, verses 31 and 32. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. This morning, if you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Really, I'm going to look at really one verse, but I'm going to read verses 26 to, to verse 33. And then we'll pray and we'll get started. I'll go ahead and give you the title of the message. The, the title is The Child Who is the King. <clears throat> verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words this morning. I pray that King Jesus would be great today, as he is. He is Lord of all. He is King of kings and Lord of all. I pray that he would increase, that we would decrease pray that our affections would be turned towards Him. I pray that Your Spirit would work, give us eyes to see, ears to hear. I pray as always, Father, in spite of me, that You would work. I pray that if there is not a, a person who is not a Christian today here among us, that they would hear these words, look unto Christ, and be saved. I pray for Christians as we hear, as we think about these words Today, that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we give you this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. During this Christmas season, and kind of following from Scott's topic last week, last week with Mary, I want us to consider the real meaning of Christmas. As we just consider, really, just a couple verses. Verses 31 and 32. There's a lot here that I will not... Get, get to, because I'm just going to focus on a couple things from the passage. And uh, there is nothing new here that you will hear this morning that you haven't heard before. In fact, I've preached these three points numerous times before. But this text will help us at this Christmas time keep the main thing the main thing. And, uh, and as always, we need the simple realities 
of Scripture. So with that in mind, I'd like to draw our attention to the, this passage. I have three truths about the, the child who is the king. So three truths about King Jesus. I'll go ahead and give them to you. Very simple. Number one, the king is divine. Number two, the king is humble. And then number three, the king is also the Savior. And then after that, I've just got three applications to finish us out. So the first truth this morning is the king is divine. Look at verse 32, um, or refer to verse 32. We have two descriptions in this verse of the child as Gabriel comes to announce this to Mary. The first one is the word great. And, uh, and, and we find that there in verse 32. He will be great. And if you look over at chapter 1 of Luke, verse 15, we see the same word to describe John the Baptist. An angel also appeared to John the Baptist's father before he was born, Zechariah. And Zechariah said, I mean, excuse me, the angel said to Zechariah, Your wife will have a son. You shall call his name John, and he will be great before the Lord. It's important. There's some words there. Great before the Lord. And when we think about John the Baptist, he was great. In fact, do you remember what Jesus said about John the Baptist? He said, I tell you the truth. He said, there is none born among women who is greater than John. And, and so this is the word that we see, the exact same word that, that Gabriel uses to describe Jesus. The same word, um, even though it's the same word, there is a vast difference between the two. With John, John the Baptist, great is qualified with the words before the Lord. But it is not so with Jesus. He does not qual- Gabriel does not qualify the word great. He just says he will be great. This great stands alone and it is absolute. And when this word great stands alone in the Old Testament, it can only refer to who? God. Psalm 48, verse 1 and 2. Great is the Lord, greatly to be, greatly to be praised in the city of our God, His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation. Psalm 86, verse 10, speaking of God, for you are great and you do wondrous things. You alone are God. My favorite in this context is Psalm 145, 3, which says, great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. The greatness of God is unsearchable. You see, John's greatness, John the Baptist's greatness, it was searchable. His greatness could be qualified. We know what he was like. We know he was a a great, godly preacher and witness before the Lord. But when we use this word great before God, we say that God is great. His greatness is unsearchable. This great God, this king, we would say, is in a class all by himself. 1 Timothy 6, verse 16, Paul says about God, God alone has immortality. He alone dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. Psalm 
97 verse 2. God is described as a being surrounded by clouds and thick darkness. Describes God. In other words, this is only the place that God can be. Only the person that God can be in His greatness. Brothers and sisters, when we come to this passage, this is the word that the angel describes who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Such is the King. And to clarify this truth even further, look on at verse 32 again. He will also be called what? The Son of the Most High. So let me give you a quick quiz. We just finished Hebrews. Go way back. Um, But have you heard Son of the Most High before? Have you heard those words before? Think back in Hebrews. Who is Melchizedek called? Remember the priest, Abraham came back there and, and, and gave him things, and he was the priest over Salem. Hebrews says he is priest of God Most High. El Elyon is the word in Hebrew. Psalm 57, 2, I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. Psalm 78, 35, they remembered that God was their rock, the Most High God, their Redeemer. So this word, most high, along with great, puts God in a class all by Himself. There are none like Him. This is the God we worship. This, as you listen to me preach, this is the God I am preaching about. I'm not preaching about myself. This is the God we just prayed to. This is the God we will pray to. There is none like Him. And, and so he is in a class all by himself. And I think that we can sort of think in such terms. I, I know everyone here is not a sports fan. I am a sports fan, have always been a sports fan. <clears throat> and there are some events, sporting events, and some people that are events and people like no other. First thing that comes to my mind when I think of the greatest sporting events of all time Scott Blackledge, what is it? Appalachian State beats Michigan. Nothing like it. It shouldn't have happened, okay? Some people might say, back out of forget what year it was, but the United States hockey team, amateurs, who did they go and beat? They beat the Russians, professionals. There was nothing like it. There are other sporting events that are such. If you're a ho- Anybody in here like hockey? Okay, three, four people. We lived in Russia for a long time. Hockey was big. Who is considered to be the great one? Wayne Gretzky. I still call him that today. Think of if, if you're a baseball fan, who is the great Bambino, the great Babe Ruth? Well, we put folks like that in events like that in those categories, and we see them as great. Much like what John, who John is referred to as Great. There's none greater born of woman. But the thing is, we are creatures. So when we're comparing John the Baptist with Wayne Gretzky or whoever, we are still comparing apples to apples because we are creatures. But with God, God is in a class all by Himself. This means that these two descriptions here Gabriel gave to Mary of the one who would be born, this means that this one would be in that class. Okay? 
He is the great one. And this is without clarification. John was great before the Lord. The Lord Jesus is great. He is the great one. He needs no introduction. He is the Son of the Most High. So listen to the words from Hebrews 1. 1 to 3, probably over the past three years, the most read words coming from my lips. Long ago at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Verse 5 of chapter 1, For To which of the angels did God ever say, You are my Son? Today I have begotten you. Verse 8, But of the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever the scepter of righteousness. Uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. I must say that even preparing this sermon this week, Brothers and sisters, it never gets old to proclaim the glories of Christ as the great Son of God, the great Son of the Most High. Recently, I read a book, very recently, on the great King Charlemagne. And, uh, amazing king, and Andrew knows all about Charlemagne, we found out, because he had a big class on Charlemagne. But probably one of the greatest kings of all of Western history, for sure. And both the, the French... And the Germans claim him as their king. And because he, it was a big, greater mixture back in the, in the 9th, 8th century there at that time. Um, so some argue today, is he king of the Franks? Was he king of the Germans? They still argue. But when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, the great Son of the Most High, He is the king of the Franks. He is the king of the Germans. He is the king of the nations of the East. He is the East would be that way. He is the king of the nations of the West, of the North, and of the South. And these words do not do him justice. He is king. He is the king of creation. And whether we acknowledge him or not, he is king. And he is divine. And so the very words that he speaks, that are spoken of, of God in the Old Testament and the Bible, are spoken of... <clears throat> the Lord Jesus has spoken of. That's truth number one. Let's move on, though. The king is also humble. I get this also from verse 32. It's not as may not be as obvious from you, but let me explain. Verse 32, The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. Now, there's a lot I could say about the fulfillment of prophecy here, and we're not going to do that today. But I want to highlight the, the truth of of humility. And you might say, what, how do we get humility from this passage? The obvious truth for the humili humiliation of the king is that he would be born. The things that I just spoke about, about God in a class of himself, and then we think about Gabriel coming to Mary and say, you will have a child from your womb, conceived of the Holy Spirit, but you will have a child, and this one will be born. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. Think about it. David was, he was not an angel. He was not 
anything greater than that. He was just like us. He was a man. And so for God to give Jesus the throne of David, then who must this king be? He must also be a man. This means that all the things that we just considered about divinity, about God in his essence, everything that we just spoke of in some way must take on flesh. This is what we call the incarnation in flesh, born in the flesh. God takes on, He doesn't change into flesh, but He takes on flesh. <clears throat> and He doesn't merely just take on flesh. He lives among us in the greatest of humility. And then if this were not enough, this God then lays down his life as a sacrifice. And we know this sacrifice takes place on a Roman cross where the worst of criminals were punished. So that is why I'm on the topic of the, the king is humble. This is humiliation. In fact, many theologians, when they think about the, the work of Christ, the incarnation, His living, His death on the cross, that particular part of His work, they refer to that in their systematic theologies as the humiliation of Christ. And so, this particular work of Christ, His humiliation, gets to the heart of Christmas and its true meaning. As Matthew tells us, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, we just read that, Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. That's what he is called, Emmanuel, Matthew 1.23. Now, before moving any further, though, I want to, I want to ask uh, and try to answer a, a deep question. So try to hang with me for just a few minutes. I, here's my question. When we think about God, okay, in His person, in other words, in His essence, as He is spirit, as He is unapproachable light, covered with thick clouds and darkness, who God is in His essence, can we say there is humility with God? You ever, you ever asked that question? Is there humility with God, who is spirit? Our catechism says, what, if I were to ask our group, you know, what does the Bible say who God is? God, I probably can't get them. Can we get them, Jeff? God's a spirit. Oh, my goodness. Mighty God, a merciful God, a righteous judge. Mercy, I don't know, all of them. Righteous judge of all men. Um, I get up here in front of everybody, and I get a little nervous, and I start losing it. We get in home group, I'll get it today, okay? But he is a spirit, but... Is there humility with God who is spirit? Is there humility with God who is light? 1 Timothy 6.16, we just, we just read that. God alone has immortality. He dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. Can such a God be described as humble? Is there humility with God who is also described in Psalm 97 as being surrounded by clouds and thick 
darkness? Is there humility with God? Now, so I, I searched this week, and I found no reference, no reference to God in, his, in the way I'm speaking of Him, in His essence, in His person, in His deity, as being described as humble. And from this perspective, God cannot be humiliated. He cannot be. And when I looked up the different resources on the attributes of God, you know what? Humility is not on the list. And so I started thinking about this, why I'm asking this question, considering the incarnation. Yet, studying through this this week, everything we celebrate about Christmas is found in the ultimate humiliation of the Son. Who is God? So let me just say, personally, all I can say for now is that this is a great mystery. And I cannot say, I cannot say that God is humble. I cannot say that. At least in the human language that we use to describe Him. But in, in the incarnation, the birth of Jesus... What do we find? We find the absolute greatest example of humility in the history of histories, in the class of classes. That is what we find. And in the Son, we always have the God-man, great mystery. And in Christ, we find that humanity can be united with deity. That is this is just a mystery. If you go read and sing about the Trinity throughout the church, that's what we find. John 17, verses 21 and 22, Jesus prays. So He prays for us. I pray that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me. This is the man, the Lord Jesus, praying. Just as you are in me and I, are in, I am in you, that they also may be one. They may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. So, I'm going to put an end on this parenthesis so far. Here's my conclusion to the answering this question. God considered... Absolutely as God, in His essence, cannot be described as humble. Though He is love, though He is merciful, but in the incarnation of Christ, the Son takes on flesh. And we find the greatest of all humiliation. In fact, our salvation, we're going to find out, depends on this humiliation. And in that sense, I like what John Piper said about this. He says, He, Christ, has taken the beauty of humility into the Godhead. For Christ, the God-man will always be God and always be man forever. Go and ponder that. Go and ponder such a thought. This is what we celebrate particularly at Christmas. Let me read some verses that speak of, of His humiliation. On the incarnation, 
John writes. We just read this. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His, what? His glory. His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Colossians 2.9 For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Revelation 21.3 And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, I mean, behold means what? There's, there's no way this can happen. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them as their God. One more verse, one more set of verses here. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 and following. <clears throat> Philippians 2. Probably in the New Testament, the most comprehensive text on this topic that we're talking about right now. Humiliation. Humiliation of Christ. Verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. By the way, that is what the Lord Jesus did when he came. He looked to... Whose interests did he look to? This means that when you live as a Christian mother or a Christian father, or a Christian son, or a Christian daughter, or whoever you are, grandparent, whatever your roles are, that we are commanded to look as Christians, not to our own interest, but to who? The interests of others. That's why we serve our families. And that's why we ultimately serve the world by going to them and telling them about Jesus and doing difficult things. Just the, the folks that we learned about this morning with the, with the IMB and the Lottie Moon video that we saw, those folks, that's what they're doing. They're not considering their own interests. They're considering the interests of those people who've never heard the gospel before. That's what we do. That's why we live the way we live and we tell other people. But let's just continue through here. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves. So this is what we are to have in our minds, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Beautiful words. That, that means we do not have that mind in and of ourselves, but by the power of the Holy Spirit whom the Lord Jesus gives to us. But <clears throat> who, though he was in the form of God, there's the Jesus's is, is, is divine. You see that? Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, something to hold on to. So he's thinking about his glory as, in essence, God, his glory. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. There's the incarnation. Being born in the likeness of men. He is just like us. No different, except without sin. But he's no different. And being found in human form, this is, the king is humble. Being found in human form. He humbled himself. If just being, taking on flesh was not enough, then what does he do? He humbled himself by becoming obedient Obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Brothers and sisters, beloved, there has never been a king 
so humble, so meek, so mild, so willing to do what he has done. Let me ask, has there ever been a king that you can think of? Earthly king that would ever descend into the depths of his kingdom and identify with his people in such a way. There are kings that identify with their people for sure, but none like him. Has there ever been a king who would leave his glory in such humiliation? I do not believe there... Again, I think kings do that, but there would never be an earthly king that would choose to do what the Lord Jesus did for us. I think of one king, in particular in the Old Testament, who left his glory. Do you remember King Nebuchadnezzar? He was during the, the time of Daniel, and he was a great king. In fact, he was greater than all the kings of the earth. God had put him in that position. But then what did he do? He became very proud. And God said, I'm going I'm to humble this king. And Nebuchadnezzar was ready to continue being the king and continue being, the, 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 continue being proud. But God humbled him. And because of his pride, God changed Nebuchadnezzar into some kind of beast very mysterious, who lived away from his glory as a king. He lived away from his kingdom and his subjects and his people. And the Bible says that he, he ate grass and he was covered with dew. That's Daniel 4. So God did that forcefully upon him. But when we come back to the son that left his glory to come here and take on flesh, God never forced the son, his son, to do anything that he did. It's not, it is not so with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is not so, as the Bible tells us, not so before the one that even the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure in his sight. Brothers and sisters, this is the meaning of Christmas. And if you are a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit, then you should jump for joy because this is what the King who is divine has done in his humiliation for you. This is what we celebrate. The king of glory becomes the king of humility, king of humiliation. And Christ did so willingly. So let me ask, have you ever been humiliated? Of course you have. If you're like me, you've been humiliated more than most people, I'm sure. I don't know how many times growing up that I was distracted in, in class. My teacher had to put me in my spot. Still think of the pen, Jimmy. Dad had to put me in my spot. Very embarrassing to me. I remember getting in a fight. Yes, I had fights. In the sixth grade, teacher was out of town on the playground, had a fight. Another guy, the next day, the teacher comes back to class, thought I was done with it. He calls us out in the hallway. They did this back in, when I was in sixth grade, back in the early 80s. Pulled out Big Bertha, about that long. Said, bend over and touch your toes, which I can't touch my toes now, but bend over and touch your toes, son. Bend over in the hallway. Three big, huge, and it was kind of thin. Probably the effect was greater than the pain. But you talk about humiliation because in those days, the doors to the school were open. And all the hallway was open. And, and so everybody heard the paddlings that I got. 
And I was absolutely humiliated. And so you all know what I'm talking about as far as being humiliated and whatever your story is. But which one of us ever chose for such a humiliation? Now, it maybe came upon us or whatever, but we, know, we wouldn't choose to be such. But it is not so with our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. He came from glory and He willingly laid down His life. And all of this is considered and called the humiliation of Christ. And so that's why I asked that question a moment ago, because you can't separate the God from the man, because He will always be. But this is what Christmas is all about. That's truth number two. And very briefly, truth number three. The King is not only divine and humble, the King is also our Savior. Do you remember Matthew's description of what the angel said to Joseph? She will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus. What does Jesus mean? For he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, somebody asks, why would anyone ever perish? Well, you know the answer, because we are sinners by nature and by choice. Just look around in our own lives that we struggle with sin and we struggle. And we, we have, and the effects of sin come onto our family through lots of symptoms, anxiety and depression and sickness and, and even you know, bad backs. Whatever it is, it comes upon us. And it is in this world, we don't have to look very far to even, even know, the, you know the arguments we've had with our wife or our, or our children are disobedient or just the conflict that goes on even within Christian families. We don't have to look very far. We know we have sin. And our sin has separated us from a holy God. But God does not leave us in our sins. That's the incarnation. He doesn't stay in His glory. Which, by the way, He could have done. He didn't have to save us. He didn't have to come. Instead, but instead, God does not leave us. He sends the Son. The divine King becomes the man of humiliation. And He lives a life free of sin in both His heart and His actions. And at the age of 33, what does Jesus do? He lays down His life as a sacrifice in the place of sinners. The Bible says it was the will of the Father to crush the Son. Isaiah 53.10, 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake, if you are a Christian today, for our sake, He made Him to be sin. Who, that doesn't mean that He became... That doesn't mean that He sinned, but it is to mean that God looked upon Him in our place as sinners. For, <clears throat> for our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Galatians 3, 1 Peter 2, 24, He Himself bore our sins in the body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 
By his wounds, we have been healed. And then, if we want to go further and finish the story, we can keep going. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And then, as he appeared to to his disciples and others, then he ascended back where he now sits at the right hand of the Father. He's always been king. Always been king. He has always been the Lord of creation. And he always will be. But there is something about the death and the resurrection and the ascension that now every knee is said to one day will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So those are my three truths. The King is divine. King is humble. King is our Savior. And that is what Christmas is all about. That's it. It's the simplest thing we could ever hear. With that in mind, let me just end with three applications. First application, we need to be reminded constantly of the meaning of Christmas. We just do it at Christmas, but we preach, you guys know I preach this pretty much every week in some way, shape, or form. But this is our focus, what I preach today. This is our focus, not the rest of the things of Christmas. So let me ask, think about all the other things of Christmas. How much of your time and your effort is taken up by the good things of Christmas in comparison to the good things of Christ. We could do that comparison with a lot of things in life. Now let me just say, there are a lot of good things about Christmas. I love Christmas time. I love that Abby's home. I love that, that our family gets in. I love the gifts. I love the gatherings. I love the food. I love you know things that we do in our culture. We, we tend to give more in charitable giving at the end of the year. Lots of things that we do because of Christmas. The world does these things too. And yes, in God's common grace, all of these things are good. So, enjoy these things at Christmas. Do not take them for granted. They're God's common grace. But I would urge us in application this morning, do not confuse the gifts with the giver. Christmas is about the greatest of all gifts, who is the King of glory giving Himself. That is the Lord Jesus. So, do everything you can this Christmas to worship the King. To tell others about this King. And then just remind yourself every day, this, preach this gospel that I preach today, preach it to, your, to yourself. Another application. Both the deity and the humanity of the King is necessary for our salvation. A pretty deep application. But if you think about it, the deity and the humanity of Christ throughout church history, denying the humanity or denying the deity in some way, shape, or form has always been the, the, the cause of heresy. Always. <clears throat> but they both must be true, and the Bible teaches both of them clearly. Only a holy God can take care of our sin problem. That's why God must do this. We've fallen short of what? Of who? The glory for all of sin and fall short of what? The glory of God. That means there's nothing a sinful man, nothing a mere man, I would say, even Adam before he sinned, could do to restore such glory that's why we must have 
I see the Jehovah's Witnesses downtown Kannapolis all the time. I just want to say, you've missed it. You've just missed it because if you don't get the deity of Christ, we have no salvation. But at the same point, if we have no humiliation in the Son, then we don't have one who would lay down his life as a sinless, perfect sacrifice. So this is what makes the incarnation and the death of Christ so wonderful. Also, just quickly, as Christians today, this is what we confess. We confess He is God. We confess He is man. 1 John 4, 2, the Apostle John says, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Very clearly. Verse 15, same chapter. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God... God abides in him. So it's not just talking about a son. It's talking about, in essence, that's why they, the, the, the Jews wanted to put him on the cross. That's why they wanted to kill him, because you make yourself out to be God, very clearly. So, what a mystery, for sure, but this is what we confess. So keep that in mind this Christmas. Last application, you and I, we need, we need this king. We need him as our savior. We need Him as our helper. We need Him as our friend. We need Him. And we need, we need Him when we are happy. And we need Him when we are sad. We need Him when we are up. And we need Him when we are down. I, just, just this week, I spoke to a lady who just found out her husband has cancer. And it's terminal. And she just bawled with me. And all I could say was just comfort her and say, I'm sorry. And share the, a little bit of the gospel with her because she needs the Lord Jesus Christ. We need Christ. And this is exactly why He came. This is exactly why the King of Heaven became the King of Earth. Oh, what a beautiful King we have. There's nothing more important of every second, of every day that we worship this King, the King of Glory, with our hearts, with our minds, and with all of our strength. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So whether you eat or whether you drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words to us. You are good. And your good is, is like you're great. It is in a class all by itself. It is indistinguishable it is we cannot clarify it but we know what good is because the Lord Jesus has come and he has died on the cross for our sins and this as Christians we proclaim and we confess and we profess and father we as a church this is this is who we are we do not take anything for granted we worship you today and I pray that you would help us as we leave this place to be godly in all that we do and to think about these, this just very simple message. Jesus is, is divine. Jesus, the King, is, He is humble and He is also our Savior. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove.
You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.